the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Grounded and Growing in Christ. I'm Dan Rhoda, a pastor of Worland Park Christian Reformed Church, and today we are going to open the Bible together to hear from God's Word. To hear all of the messages in this series, please visit groundedandgrowingradio.com. There you can learn more about this audio ministry. And we'd love if you'd consider providing financial support by making a gift of any amount. If you're not part of the local church, Orland Park Christian Reformed Church welcomes you to worship with us this Sunday as we gather to worship and hear the Word of God proclaimed. You can learn more about our church at groundedandgrowingradio.com. Would you turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2? Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to be taking a look at verses 11 through 22. See, there are two aspects for the Christian of Christian hospitality. The first one, the first one is God's hospitality to us. The fact that anything that we are called to do as a Christian, we are in fact empowered to do by a God who is and does those things. And so the fact that we are called to hospitality is something that we are empowered to do by a God who is himself extraordinarily welcoming to strangers. And one of the things that we see in God's word is that Christ has a radical hospitality to all of us, to all of us who are here today. If you're in Christ, it means that God has shown extraordinary welcome to you. And this is the case in a unique way if you're here this morning and you are not Jewish. You're not a part of the people of Israel. If that's true for you like it is for me, then God has shown a great welcome to you, a unique welcome to you. And the fact that God is a hospitable God is why we're called to be a hospitable people and a welcoming people. That's the second part of hospitality. Today we're going to focus on God's hospitality to us, on God's hospitality to you, on the fact that God has welcomed you into his family, and next week we're going to focus on our call to be hospitable. But this passage today is for Jews and Gentiles alike, but it begins by directly addressing Gentiles, people like me, who were for a long time not a part of the people of God, strangers to the community of God, the family of God, strangers to the promise. That's what Ephesians 2, 11 to 22 tells us about. So if you would take a look with me at Ephesians chapter 2, starting at verse 11. Remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near, for through him 
We both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Being a part of the family of God may be something that, if you're a Gentile like me, that you take for granted. You maybe take for granted the fact that you are a son or a daughter of God, of the Most High King. If you have, like me, been a Christian for a while, you grow accustomed to the fact that you've been welcomed by God. And the radical nature of Christ's welcome may have become dulled for you in your mind and in your heart. One of my hopes today is that this passage of Scripture can reawaken us to the beautiful character of Christ's hospitality to us, as well as show us how remarkable it is that God has welcomed us in. I hope that that is what... um, I hope that's one of the things that might take place because of our time together today. But I want to pause and talk, because today I'm talking about what a hospitable God God is. I want to pause and define for us what hospitality is. Now, hospitality in the New Testament, it comes from two Greek words that have been brought together. The first, it's a, it's a word, I'm going to try to say it for you. It's been a while since I've studied Greek. Philexenia is the word. It's probably very helpful for you to know the Greek word. It's probably illuminated in incredible ways what it is that hospitality is. It's it's made up of two words. The first word is phila, which means love. Now, you probably know that sort of word from a city like Philadelphia. It's the city of brotherly love. And that word philao or phila, that's a Greek word meaning love. The other is xenos. Now, you maybe also know this word. You may have heard of somebody being xenophobic which means fear of the stranger, fear of that which is uh, foreign or alien. That's what xenophobia is. But that comes from this word xenos, meaning stranger or foreigner or alien. And so this Greek word puts together these two things, brotherly love, familial affection for a stranger, for somebody who is strange or different or foreign to you. Hospitality, therefore, is a familial affection a brotherly love for someone who is strange, someone who is unfamiliar, someone who is different from you. That is what hospitality is. And in Ephesians chapter 2, we see a picture of who the stranger is in this passage. Gentiles. Gentiles are the ones who were at one time strangers. And in Ephesians chapter 2, 11 and following, Gentiles are, told, are said to have five things going against them. Five things of which Gentiles are deprived. They are strangers. They had no relation to Christ is the first. They were excluded from citizenship in Israel. They were foreigners to the covenants of promise. They were without hope. They were without God. These are the five ways in which those who were Gentiles were at one time strangers to God. No relation to Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, foreigners to the covenants of promise, without hope and without God. That is substantial strangeness right there. That is a great deal of alienation. That's a wide range of separation from God. At one time, everybody who is a Gentile was excluded in that sort of way, was separate from God, was separated from God. Because of this, the Jews would would sometimes reflect this in the way that they would speak about Gentiles. 
Now, some of this maybe arose from the fact that the Lord had commanded them not to intermarry, right? And it wasn't because of an ethnicity or nationality sort of thing, but because the Lord did not want a mixing of false religion with the true religion that is worshiping God. So post-exilic Jews, those are Jews after they had been sent off into foreign land and then come back. So Jews at the time of Jesus, at the time that this was being written, they, were, uh, they divided the world into two different camps. They said that there were Jews and that there were idolaters. Those were the two camps. William Barclay writes that the division ran so deep between Jew and Gentile that it was not even lawful to render help to a Gentile mother in her hour of sorest need because that would mean bringing another Gentile into the world. This is how big the division and separation was, that even a Gentile mother who is in labor, a Jew was not supposed to help her because that would bring another Gentile into the world. If a Jewish boy married a Gentile girl or a a Jewish girl married a Gentile boy, the family, the Jewish family would hold a funeral for that child, for their Jewish son or daughter. What that meant is that they were dead to the family because they had married somebody outside of, of the Jewish people. This person was now dead to the family and that family would not engage or interact with their son or daughter ever again. They were, for that family, dead. During the early Roman Empire, a member of the people of Israel was quoted as saying, even the best of Gentiles should be killed. And Jews would call Gentiles, you member of the uncircumcision. It was actually a euphemism for what they would call Gentiles. They would call Gentiles foreskins. This was the slur that they would hurl at Gentiles. And in verse 11, Paul picks up that language. Therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by human hands. There was deep hate, deep division, an incredible divide between Jew and Gentile. And this division was perhaps most poignantly symbolized by the wall of the temple, a wall that was constructed to show where Jews were invited to come in and where Gentiles needed to remain outside of. The wall around the temple uh, has archaeological evidence confirm what was written by historians at the time. There was a dividing wall of the temple between the court of the Gentiles where all people were, were invited to come in and the court of Israel. Upon the walls were warnings in several different languages that to enter the inner courts, the place where only Jews could be, that this was punishable by death. The Apostle Paul was arrested in Jerusalem on the specific charge that he had taken an Ephesian man named Trophimus into the restricted temple area. Gentiles were separated from Jews, separated from the people of God, and separated from God. This is a profound, deep, consistent, continual alienation. And again, what it speaks of is the fact that if you are here this morning and you are not Jewish, that you are a Gentile like me, it means that at this time there was a lasting, profound, deep, enduring separation between the people of God and those who were not the people of God. And not only were those who were Gentiles separated from the people of God, but because they were separated from the people of God, they were separated from God himself. They had no access to him except through the people of Israel. 
It means that at one time, we were separated from Christ. We were strangers. We were outsiders. And there is only one thing that was able to change that alienation and separateness and distinction and difference. There was only one thing that was able to bring you, who were once far away, into the family of God. And it's the incredible welcome of our hospitable God. Our God who showed a deep familial love for strangers like you and me. And that's what verse 13 says. And I hope, I hope that this... Today's message on Grounded and Growing in Christ will continue in just a moment. To learn more about Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, to listen to other messages from our audio ministry, or to make a financial gift of any amount, please visit groundedandgrowingradio.com. That's groundedandgrowingradio.com. This audio ministry is made possible by gifts from listeners like yourself. And we greatly appreciate all those of you who continue to make it possible to share this work with listeners across Chicagoland. Now let's return to today's message. In Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. This is how our alienation ended. This is how our separation came to a conclusion. This is how we were welcomed near to the Father because the Son shed his blood. You are an outsider until the redeeming love of our hospitable God. You are an outsider until Christ Jesus was taken outside the city walls and treated as an outsider there to shed his blood and to bow his head and to die on the cross. You were an outsider until he rose again from the dead giving to all who would trust in him the righteousness of Christ Jesus. And the welcome of God is profound and total because you and I not only were alienated from him, we were enemies of God in our mind. That's what other parts of the scriptures tell us, that we were enemies of God in our mind. In fact, it was our sin that drove Christ to the cross to carry it and to bear it there. And because Jesus went outside of the city walls, was treated as an outcast, an outsider, he brings near all who trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is how we were saved, from being outsiders and brought near. This is how our loneliness and alienation was ended. Colossians 1 verses 21 and 22 makes it very clear to us, and you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven. You and I, let me say it one more time, we're in utter alienation and complete strangers from the promise of God. And what did we need to overcome our loneliness and our alienation? We needed the physical body of Christ Jesus. We needed for God to become man and for Christ to humble himself to death, even death on the cross. And by bowing his head and bleeding and dying, he welcomes you. This is extraordinary love. And this is extraordinary hospitality. That God became human, that God became man, that God became like us so that we could become his sons and his daughters. You know, today there are many people who look for God without Jesus. There are a lot of people who believe that there is some measure of divinity, that there is some divine being, but they are convinced that they can get to this divine being on their own without Christ Jesus, without being welcomed in by Christ Jesus. Let me tell you this morning, you don't want to meet God without Christ Jesus. 
You don't want to meet God without the blood of Christ Jesus purifying you from all unrighteousness. Why? Because your sin, if you meet God without Jesus, continues to alienate you and separate you from him. But if you're in Christ Jesus, you see your dad. You're welcomed in. God has been outrageously kind to us. God has been outrageously kind to us by making us his children when we were strangers. I'm wondering this morning, have you ever been in a situation where you uh, felt out of place because you, in fact, were out of place? It was an unfamiliar location. Maybe something happened that made this unfamiliar location, that made it to be uh, all of a sudden a very familiar place. Let me tell you a situation that I experienced where I had that thing take place. I went, to, uh, I went to a revival service at Rock of Ages Church in Maywood. I went there uh, for the revival service that always takes place on Good Friday. It's a 5 a.m. service. And I was told by people who were also going to be there, hey, make sure that you arrive early, like 4.30, or else you're not going to be able to find a parking spot. Now, that seemed extraordinary to me because they have a, a great deal of parking, and, and it's 4.30 in the morning. Who's going to be up and at church by 4.30 in the morning? So I dutifully woke up. You know, it's about an hour drive. So I was up 3.15, 3.30. I got in my car. I was a little late. I was there at 4.40, and they were right. There were no parking spaces to be had. And so I parked a few blocks down the street. I walked into the church. It was a totally unfamiliar place at about 4.45 in the morning, so I'm not at my best. I don't know if any of you are, but at 4.45, not at my best yet. And so I walk in. It's in a wonderful church, a historically African-American congregation. And so I I, I step in, and immediately, it's pretty clear, I'm a very tall, pale Dutch kid, right? So it's very clear that I'm culturally different from most everyone else who is, everyone else who is in the building at that time, right? And so some people are shooting looks at me like, is he lost or something? Is, is, is this the place that you were supposed to be at? And I went to one of the ushers and I I just said, hey, uh, Ed, Ed Copeland said that I uh, should come here today. Uh, and he was the only person in the whole building that I met was Ed Copeland, a wonderful pastor in Rockford. And the usher knew who Ed Copeland was. And he said, oh, we've been waiting for you. Here, come follow me. And so I followed the usher and, and they, took me to, they took me to an elevator that had some, some people standing in front of it to make sure that nobody would get onto the elevator, right? So those two people parted for the usher and I wide-eyed follow him into the elevator in this huge church, right? It has about a 1,500-person sanctuary. Maybe 2,000 people can sit in the sanctuary. We get into the elevator and we take it all the way to the top floor and it opens and the usher takes me into the, into the study of Pastor Marvin Wiley, who's on, on the Mount Rushmore of of like influential pastors and preachers in the city of Chicago. And so I'm pretty confident I'm not in the right place right now, right? And so I'm like, are you sure? And they said, Ed said, you know, Ed, Pastor Copeland said, come in. So I, I walk in and, and I'm nervous and Pastor Copeland is there and he's like, Derek, so glad you're here. Come on in. And Marvin Wiley, this, this titan of preaching, he is so kind and welcoming. He sees me, he's like, come on, sit down, everybody, this is, what's, what's your name? And so I introduce myself, and, and he says, well, I'm so glad you're here. He's a preacher just like the rest of us. Everyone else who is in this office, they are friends for a long time. But immediately, they work to try to make me feel at home in this place. So they ask me about this them, myself. They ask me about this congregation. They talk about Orland Park CRC for a little bit with me. Marvin Wiley starts to make fun of me, which was so wonderful, because that really made me feel like I was like a part of the crew, right? He tells them, you know, he's tall, but I'm pretty confident I could take him in my day in basketball. I could dunk over him. They get up to take a picture, all of these dear old friends, and I stay seated, and Pastor Wiley says, no, 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 you're in this picture too. You're a preacher here this morning as well. So, so he calls me up, and I, I get in the picture again, feeling like I'm totally out of place, but filled with gratitude for the welcome that Pastor Wiley has given to me. 
those men right there, all of them are titans of preaching and well thought of and well regarded and have had a long, faithful ministry. And there's me, 4.45 a.m., confused, tired, new preacher, deeply grateful to be welcomed. But that wasn't it, because then the service began. And all of us went back down the elevator together, and I thought, I wonder what's going to happen now. And, uh, and we walked into the sanctuary, and, and one of the things that happens when, in a lot, of, a lot of historically African-American churches is when the pastor comes in, the congregation will stand or sometimes applaud. So we walk into the sanctuary together, and, and the whole congregation stands and applauds as the pastors walk in. And, uh, and there are, there's this situation right where there is the pulpit right here, and then there are chairs lining it all along the outside. And, and the preacher sits in the middle, and, and all of the preachers that are there along with the preacher for that, smor- that morning get to be what's called in the pulpit with the preacher. And so I, I came into the sanctuary again. It's packed. It's, again, about five in the morning at this time for the revival. Just absolutely packed with people. Thousands of people in the sanctuary standing and applauding for the preachers. They take me up to the pulpit and they're like, you're in the pulpit with the preacher this morning, pastor. And so I, I sit down, right? I'm about right here in the whole occasion, right? And uh, for the whole service, I just stand and when everybody else stands and I sit when everybody else sits, I try to participate as well as I can. But here is what is astounding. This place that was unfamiliar to me, a place where I felt out of place, a place where I wasn't sure if I belonged because of the incredible hospitality, because of the incredible love for a stranger that the lead pastor had, that Marvin Wiley had. I wasn't just in attendance at that worship service. I was one of the pastors in the pulpit for the worship service. Let me tell you, this is, this is one of the greatest honors that I've ever received. I've ever received. And the whole time that this was taking place, I was, I was absolutely filled with this deep sense of gratitude for being so extraordinarily welcomed. And I kept thinking, I was like... You know what? Pastor Wiley is very much like our Savior. Because here I am. I mean, somebody who was far off, drove into Maywood from Orland Park. I'm somebody that was culturally distinct or different. I'm somebody that doesn't have any reputation to speak of. Nobody there knew my name. And he's like, hey, come into my study. Hang out for a while with me and my closest friends. Hey, come into the sanctuary with all of us. S- sit where we sit. Y- you're one of us. After the service was done, he had me stand in the receiving line with all the pastors and embrace everyone who came through. He took about a half hour after the service to chat with me and to show me the church and to talk to me and invite me to come back. I was a stranger, and he welcomed me. And didn't just say, hey, you're welcome here. He made it clear that, that I was a part of the family. This is what Jesus does for you. This is what Jesus does for you. But it's even greater what Jesus does for you. Because you and I aren't just culturally distinct or different from Jesus, but in fact, we were his enemies. We were opposed to him. We were enemies of God in our minds. And Christ Jesus still comes to earth for us. And yet we continue to be enemies. And we killed him. We killed him. Let me tell you that if I was trying to bring somebody that was separate or distinct from me, near to me, and I sent my son to that group of people, and I said, hey, Robert, you go This is after he learns to talk, obviously. You go and you talk to them and you invite them to come near. And if I sent sent him to them and they killed him, that certainly wouldn't be the means by which they would get to become a part of my family. We killed Jesus. And the father says, well, you know what? This is the means that I'll use to bring you near. And Jesus rises again from the dead. And the father says, not just sins forgiven, not just a truce, not just we'll nod to each other when we see each other. No, he's like, no, no, no. Now that, now that my son has died and has risen again from the dead, now, you know what? You get to be my child. 
Come up, not even just into my office, come into my home. Come and eat at my table. Come and sit down with me and enjoy the marriage feast of the Lamb. Come, call me Father. Call me Dad. You who killed my son. Now, now you get to call me Dad. Come, be a part of my family. Become, uh, become a part of this family that, that isn't characterized by everybody looking the same, but be a part of my family that, that is and will be made up of, of people from every different tongue and tribe and people and language. Come and be my child. Do you see what extraordinary love for strangers the Father has lavished on you? Because we have a hospitable God, we're called to be a hospitable people, a people who love others. And you can see that that this is actually one of the results of what it is that Christ has accomplished. This is what we're told. For, For he himself, in verse 14, is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. And so this is what happens, right? Because we have been brought near to the Lord Jesus, it means that we are able to be brought near to each other as well. And all of that division that had at one time separated Jews and Gentiles, Jesus says, I destroyed that. I broke down that dividing wall in my body at the cross. I broke it down by dying and rising again. And that means that all of us that are so easily divided or separated by differences in in cultural traditions or in political affiliation, Jesus says, no, 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 that doesn't divide you anymore. You are one in me. If you are my child, that means that you're my child along with everyone else that might not look like you or think like you or act like you. Because we have a hospitable God, we're called to be a hospitable people. My prayer is that the Lord speaks to you through his word, that we cultivate grateful hearts to him and flourish in a world searching for the hope that we find only in Jesus. To hear more about gratitude, to learn about Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, or to support our work preaching the Bible on AM 1160 through this audio ministry, visit us today at groundedandgrowingradio.com. I'm Pastor Dan Rhoda, and on behalf of the Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, we want to thank you for your support and partnership in proclaiming the Bible here on AM 1160. If you're not part of a local church, Orland Park Christian Reformed Church welcomes you to worship with us this Sunday. You can find all the details online at groundedandgrowingradio.com. Thanks again for joining us, and until next time, may God bless you. Grounded and Growing in Christ can be heard weekdays at 2 p.m. on AM 1160. I'm Derek Bukema, pastor of Orland Park Christian Reformed Church. This month we're focusing on the topic of gratitude throughout the Bible, exploring how God has instructed us to flourish in the world with hearts grateful and thankful to God. If you're not a part of a local church, Orland Park Christian Reformed Church welcomes you to worship with us this Sunday as we gather to worship and hear the Word of God proclaimed. You can learn more about our church at groundedandgrowingradio.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.